Fox Sports is the home of Australian rugby, and this is the official Fox Rugby Podcast with your host, Nick McArdle. Yes, thank you for joining us for another exciting Fox Rugby Podcast. Terrific to have your company. Uh, I'm Nick McArdle here with Christy Doran and Sam Worthington from foxsports.com.au. A lot of uh, talking points this week. Just before coming on air, we were talking about the etiquette of uh, of Tinder, and I have no <laughs> idea what you. Seriously, I'm. I'm it passed me by. Sliding into the discussing. Sorry, sorry, Sam. I'll put your mic on. There, you there go. we go. Yeah. Go. Sorry, what were you carry on? Sliding into DMs. Um, what is, does that mean? Is the Christy? Do you want to take us uh, take us forward here? Well, look, I have. I've never had a dating app per se, um, but. Mm. You know, every now say sounds like every, get out. Every every now and again, you might have slid into someone's Instagram direct message. What does that mean? Uh, I was asked that by my sister-in-law last night, actually, after graduating yesterday. And we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Had quite a few people wish me um, many congratulations. Just was kind of all the fans out there. Cheers. You got a science degree, um, I'm told. Congratulations, mate. Mm. Yes, yes. A uh, little bit awkward. Um, before we go too far, what, what, what is sliding into... Look, what, what uh, to, to cut to the chase and make a... Long story, short and boring. It just means sending a message to someone, but it's just it's just a term of sliding on on there. It's you're doing a bit of creeping on the on the Instagram, and you just slide on in there. Ah, oh, creeping on the yeah, I know what I know what that is. Good stuff. Fairly well accepted though, isn't it? It's it's just a sliding. fancy way to, to to send a message basically, but it means you being a bit of a, a creeper, right? Is that fair, Christian? Uh, prob- probably fair, yeah. Here we go. Someone's just come in right now. <laughs> <laughs> Matter of fact. Um, but you're right, I did have my graduation yesterday. Yeah. I, I got the wrong date mixed up. Um, graduated, uh, did my Masters of Journalism and thank you, yep. Uh, do you have to have a qualification before, before that? You do, yep. Well, I, see, I did. See, that's where you got me. Right, yeah. I was, I'm Thanks. surprised to hear that. Yeah, yeah. A few people are, uh, don't worry, and then they pick up my grammatical mistakes. Mm. But um, so you've rocked up on the wrong day and you've talked your way into the science graduation, is it? Undergrad so degree that I, I, I talked myself, and then just right <laughs> at the end. Um, your family's all there, it's a big occasion, and you, you turn <laughs> up on the wrong day. <laughs> yeah, with the, with the wrong um, wizard robes as well. Um, completely wrong day. Two years late, actually, as well. I should have graduated back in 2017, but anyhow. Um, <laughs> So, <laughs> that's like when you that's like Probably when you graduated from primary school and you were 15 so it's, it's yeah part of the well, same uh, backlog I, I was flabbergasted that there was no champagne or anything you know there wasn't anything from UTS you thought it was like a wedding reception style operation well it should have been it was for my undergrad anyway right um but I'm sure you got a you well, got a glass of bubbles in no, somewhere no seriously congrats I mean that's mm. that's a hell of an achievement thank um, you a master's in in anything but a master's in journalism well done cheers well not the only thing to celebrate before we actually get into talking some rugby uh Samuel your birthday to Today. Happy birthday. Thank you very much, Christy. Mm. You've chosen to spend it with us. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, well, the other option was uh, staying home with a, a kitten that we've uh, just got at our place that was throwing up on my bedroom uh, floor. So I decided, I decided to de- <laughs> yeah, I know. decided to ditch that and come and join you guys after cleaning up the puke. It was, it's was it been quite a birthday. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Mm. Moving along. Well done. Uh, and for the record, how old? So I'm halfway to your half ton of uh, 25 today, mate. You're, you are not. <laughs> how good are birthday jokes? They're just always, just, just always <laughs> so good. So no, how old, seriously? Uh, well, 35. Right, 35. Yeah. Okay. 
distinguished. Right. Yep. Um, so what we're going to do today, we're going to talk to, uh, to Laurie Fisher, who uh, is one of the assistant coaches, the great Laurie Fisher at the Brumbies. And he's got a few uh, choice words to say about some choice words that were said on Saturday night on, uh, on Super Saturday on, on Fox Sports. Um, and he hits back at uh, Justin Harrison and, and Phil Kearns, a couple of uh, uh, bits of commentary that they had about the style of play for the Brumbies. So I'll be interested to hear uh, from Laurie. And, and also Jason Gilmore, who is uh, the successful coach of our junior Wallabies who won the Oceania... Uh, title. They are World Cup bound, but they did it by beating the baby All Blacks, and that is a hell of an achievement. Hell of an achievement. I love the fact that you've said our because we're, we're sitting with a New Zealand here and Sam. So mm. brilliant result for the for the Junior Wallaby. So looking forward to talking to him, as you said. Yeah, it's. Uh, I hope. I think the rugby community have um, realised the significance of that. I mean, it was obviously going on at the same time as, as Super Rugby. It wasn't on um, TV. It was it was live streamed. But yeah. It, no one really saw that coming, and, and clearly there's a, a pretty promising uh, crop crop for Australia yeah. to work with, and, so uh, very positive. And pleasingly, it has actually got a lot of traction. There are a lot of people yep. excited about what happened on uh, on Saturday at Bond University on the Gold Coast. Um, just quickly, I'm surprised to see either of you here. I thought you'd be part of the stakeout that continues. Uh, Israel Folau, um, the story that keeps on giving. Well, well, it is. Sam and I spoke, look, it all, it all started back on Saturday, so somewhat four or five days ago now. And, um, look, we, we, we thought, do we do we go there? Oh, we, we're not going to really hear anything, are we? We didn't think so. So we, we, we decided not to. But there's been a few journos there that have spent a fair bit of time there and, and thus far really heard absolutely nothing other than the fact that, we're now on to our third day of hearings and reading between the lines, that surely can't be a good thing for Rugby Australia for it to be dragging on as long as it is because they had forecast, foreshadowed that it would be hopefully one day, a second day if needed onto Sunday. So for it to continue into three days, they couldn't even hire out. They had to move to a different building because they didn't expect it to go for as long. So they've moved from Rugby Australia buildings to the, what, the Sydney Tower and ANZ building there in, in, the, in the middle of the city. Yeah, there's a lot of people involved now, aren't there? There's, um, I don't know how many people are actually in that room, but it's quite a few with all the legal representatives and um, obviously Rupert um, being involved as well. So Michael Check has given evidence. Raylene Charles has given up. evidence. Exactly. Uh, Andrew yeah. Hoare has given evidence. So, yeah, I think the, the, the longer this goes and the more we hear little pieces of information trickle out, uh, some sort of settlement seems, I don't, I don't know what you guys think, but probably the most likely outcome yeah, now. I think so. Just, um, rather than a clean verdict either way. It, it was interesting today, Tuesday this is, that we recorded in the pod that Roger Davis, the New South Wales chairman, came out and, and said that okay, settlement seems like the, the logical sort of thing to, yeah. to do. and He's sniffing the breeze, I think. So, yeah, I think that that's mm. probably the way it's going to go. And, and the figure will now be um, the interesting one. And I know that it was reported on the weekend that even before this process started, or even before the hearing started, that, uh, that Rugby Australia offered Israel a million-dollar settlement, keeping, his mind, uh, keeping in mind he's on a four-year deal worth, uh, worth $4 million, or he's into a four-year deal worth $4 million. Having said that, it was interesting that Rugby Australia actually came out and said, no, that's, that's, that not, figures that's not, not the case. Yeah. Uh, there, there was not the offer of a million dollars. So um, whether there will be uh, a, a monetary offer at some stage, it, it would seem that Israel Folau is, uh, is going to dig in and, uh, and wait it out. It can't be a good thing, can it, though, for Rugby Australia's 
board and looking specifically probably at the, the CEO, Raylene Castle, as well as Cameron Klein too, will it, Sam? No, well, I mean, this is money though we're going to pay for our either way. Obviously, they'd the agreed to that four-year contract. It would just mean paying it out as a, a lump, lump sum. sum. Um, I mean, you, it doesn't look great, does it? But, but because you're, it seems like you're admitting that you're at fault when you, you come to these settlements. But they are fairly common and, um, you know, that they're at the stage where they just want this thing to go away desperately um, and, and they are willing to, to take the hit there. So clearly they're not going to come out of this. No one's going to come out of, out of this smelling like roses. It's, it's going to be, there's going to be dirt on, um, you, know, uh, you know, both sides, I guess, um, for, for want of a better term. Well, well the... The point too that Stephen Hoyle's made today uh, that he just hopes that it doesn't affect, well, he, he believes the longer it goes on, uh, the more effect it will have on our uh, Rugby World Cup campaign. Mm. I, you know, I think that we can safely say that it's already had some effect on the Waratahs over the last, you know, four or five weeks. Um, how you quantify uh, what effect it has had or how how much of an effect it's had, that, that's very difficult. But you would have to think that uh, it's had some impact on their poor form. Um, and the longer it stretches on, the more of a distraction it is uh, for some players who need to be thinking about the World Cup and not be continually asked, uh, not have this whole thing hanging over their, their heads. Absolutely. And speaking to former Wallabies, they're all of the opinion that it is certainly a distraction now and, and f- would be for the Wallabies going forward. I suppose it's uh, the, not that it's a good thing that it's occurred, but you'd prefer it to have occurred maybe, you know, the last couple of weeks as opposed to in a few months' time when the Wallabies are actually you know, coming to grips with what's in front of them, which is a World Cup, which is not far away. Yeah, and, and I mean, Flower's got some very close friends in the Wallabies team and the Waratahs team. Um, he seems to have gone to ground a bit. I'm not sure how much uh, contact he's having with those people. But, yeah, that I mean, those people in particular uh, be affecting them greatly. Um, it, it is disappointing, though, for, from Israel. He's... he's, um, he, he's Made the comments last year after this initial uh, furor that if that if he's damaging the game, then he'll walk away. Um, you know, religion's the most important thing. Well, he, he he's clearly not living by his words, unfortunately, and, and he is seriously damaging the game. Let's park that uh, because that will all unfold uh, over time, and <laughs> uh, and you know you get too far into it at this stage, and there's a lot of guesswork involved. So we'll wait and see. I'll be 45 yes, birthday exactly by the time right. it finishes. It's going to take a while. Um, let's talk about uh, the, the Brumbies and, and the Blues and it was a terrific win um, by the Brumbies on, on Saturday night uh, over the Blues from Auckland and for Laufanga, um three tries from uh, the Rolling Mall um, or it certainly was a weapon for them, the Rolling Mall, uh, but it did receive some criticism from Justin Harrison and, and Phil Kearns saying, you know, come on, is that all you've got? Uh, what happened to the heyday of the Brumbies? Yeah, I was surprised that that was the, the first thing that they uh, commented on. Um, I, I think firstly you've got to acknowledge it's yeah, a massively important win and, and they grounded out, um, you know, showed a lot of lot of spirit against a fairly talented Blues team, so that, that's the first point. And then, of course, the, Br- the Brumbies do want to play better rugby. Everyone wants to play nice-looking rugby, but each game's its own unique contest, and, and you might have the, the best-laid plans that completely change um, due to conditions, due to how well the other team's playing, due to how well you know your key players are playing. So you've got to cut your cloth in each um, in each game, basically. And, and yeah, they've got a strength, which is the, the set piece, and I think... Um, 
that should really be you know, not not criticised, but that should be uh, celebrated as one pillar of their game, and then they can build other aspects on it. And uh, it'd be great to see Dan McKellar involved with the Wallabies, helping them helping the Wallabies master that technique, because the the Wallabies haven't been able to remotely have that sort of success um, with with rolling more. They're obviously going against better opponents, but I'd love to see yeah Dan Dan get involved, uh, Laurie Fisher, whoever is actually responsible, um, involved with the the test team in that in that respect. Twenty six twenty one was the final score, so it was uh, four tries to two. And as I said, Falau uh, scoring, Falau Finger rather, scoring uh, three of those four tries. James Slipper uh, chimed in for a try. Just what a night for forwards as well. Oh. Yeah, yeah, nice, nice night for a forward. Um, should we get a chat with Laurie Fisher? Absolutely. All right, he is uh, the assistant coach or one of the assistant coaches at the Brumbies, Laurie Fisher. Listening to the Fox Rugby Podcast. Laurie, thanks for joining us on the Fox Rugby Podcast. Good to have you company once again. Hey, it's a pleasure. Um, let's uh, start by talking about what really was a, a terrific win uh, by the Brumbies over the Blues. And when you think about uh, where you were early in that game, uh, you must be very pleased. Yeah, it certainly wasn't the start we were looking for, but. Uh, Look, I just thought the, the, the boys showed a lot of character and composure. I think we've got some good systems in place now so that, so that if we're under pressure, things aren't going right, uh, we, we can get in on the team leadership and, and, and set the direction we need to go. And I thought the lads did that particularly well. That they did, Laurie, um, and, and clearly a big focus of that was the set piece, and we'll talk more about that in, in a moment. But going coming into the game, was that an area, uh, the rolling more specifically in the scrum, that you thought that you could target the Blues? Yeah, oh, they were our two main focuses going into the game, and like we obviously we've got some general attack principles, but we, we really thought that uh, the way that they defend the ball, that, that there was a, a strong element of, of uh, illegality about what they do. They tend to get up the, up the side and, and join in, in front of the last feet. So we felt that if we could more well, that we could put them under pressure. And, uh, and while statistically their scrum is good, again, we, we felt that, that uh, we had a good match-up with their scrum uh, and, and had the ability to put some pressure on them. Now, uh, let's talk about uh, some of the comments that were made on, uh, on Super Saturday on Fox Sports uh, on the weekend, and I, I think you uh, it got under your skin a little bit, didn't it? Uh, criticism from Justin Harrison and, and Phil Kearns, probably to a lesser extent, about the style of uh, of the win and, and the fact the reliance on the on the set piece and the rolling ball. Just tell us how you felt about that. Yeah, look, it's a little bit about that, but I, I just reckon my bigger brief is that we've got a responsibility to sell the game, and and um, I, don't, I don't know that we do that well enough, that we, that we spend a lot of time nitpicking about this or that, it could be different, it was better 20 years ago, or, or this or that, we don't really climb on board to sell a game. I know over in the UK, if, if it's a 3 nil win, honestly, the commentators could be selling it as the best game ever. And uh, I know we do a pretty good job here across the board, I'm not pointing the finger at everybody, but I just I just think we run ourselves down too much. And, uh, and you know, this, the weekend was another example. It's a great win over New Zealand team after travelling halfway around the world the previous two weeks and coming back from 12 nil down. Well, what a performance to celebrate. Yeah, I, I will put my hand up in that department as well and I, I really only probably thought about it um, when I got home and uh, and saw some of uh, the reaction on, on social media. And you're right, we went so long without beating 
uh, a New Zealand team, and uh, and now when we do, but it's you know it's not flashy and it's it's not spreading the ball and it's not putting the ball through the hands of the backs. Everyone gets a bit bit out of shape about it, but but you're right, yeah. it, it was a terrific win. Great win, look, I, I, I just well look at the energy and the desperation in our defence, uh, the chasing on our clean out. Like, like I, I I just thought the attitude of the team was was as good as I've ever seen it. Like they just were absolutely desperate to do whatever they had to do. And, and, and we felt against a team that's got... You know, if you look statistically, with, I know Rico Ioni didn't play, but with, um, with, with other guys, you know, with Nonu, and you know, they've got line-breaking ability. They beat a lot of defenders. They've got offload. Like, do we want to try and match them toe-for-toe in that game? And, and if we do, I honestly don't think we get a result. And, uh, again, I know back in the day when, when, when Reds won the championship under Ewan's stewardship... But pragmatism was the order of the day, that they could play when they had to play, but when they were allowed to play, and other times they found a way to win the game. And that's the beauty of rugby. Let's celebrate finding different ways to do things, not saying, oh, well, could have done it differently or better, or we're supposed to throw the ball around. Yeah, and, and also without, I mean, you, you lost Rory Arnold early on. Uh, you didn't have Tavita on the weekend, one of your most experienced players, um, one of your better defenders as well. Just um, from from my point of view, does that criticism uh, cut the players or are you able to uh, head that off a little bit? Or do you think that really resonates with the players and, and do they get they get a bit shitty about that? Oh, look, I, I can't speak for the players. I, I don't think they do. Um, I, I think they and we'll just, and, and as we review through today, we'll celebrate in performance where we did a lot of good things and, and, and we'll pick some areas that we definitely need to improve moving forward. But, they, but you're right, if you think of players that we don't have playing, if you've got your Pococks and Valentinis and, and McCaffrey's in the back row, Rory injured Tavita, so there's there's a lot of firepower. There's, there's, there's a back row that's running on fumes now with, you know, with, you know uh, Heine hasn't played a game this year, so I just think it was a character-filled performance, and uh, and we'll we'll, sell it, we'll enjoy and celebrate that, and we'll find a way to be better next week as well. Absolutely, Laurie, and, and I like the fact that you touched on attitude. That was certainly in abundance over the last three weeks, particularly with that win over over the Stormers. Just just moving this forward, and clearly the set, as as you touched upon that you targeted the Blues because you saw a weakness there. The underlying issue that many, I think, some supporters have have thought for some time now is whether or not the Brumbies have the potential to to uh, exploit teams out wide and, and spread the ball. And clearly we saw that against the Chiefs earlier in the year. We saw that against uh, the Lions at home as well. Do you think that the all-round running brand of rugby, the Brumbies can still do when it gets to the crunch time come the finals? Yeah, look, it, it's certainly uh, aspirational for us that, that, that we understand, and Dan said many times, that, that, that we need to have a full-court game. We're working particularly hard and... Uh, Again, if you, if you look at the weekend, you've probably got a you've got a thirteen playing his first game of Super Rugby. You've got a twelve uh, who, who's whilst he's been in professional systems for a few years, I don't know, maybe he's had six or seven starts in Super Rugby. But we, you know, we, we've got an ambition to to have a, a structure and a, and a way of playing the game that allows us to to, to use the ball when, when those opportunities arise. And you know, we, we probably haven't been as sharp as we'd like to be. Some of our shape, some of our depth some of our effort to get where we need to go. So you know, we've got improvements to make in that area, there's no doubt. But if we're talking 
aspiration that we we want to be a side that can play in a, in a range of different ways, and we certainly want to be a, a team that can score long range tries, tries out of skill, or, or yeah, get the ball over the line whichever way you can. You mentioned Len Ikatow, the the uh, outside centre for you guys who played his first game on the weekend, and some really good signs there. And I know that um, that Dan McKellar spoke last week about being probably him being probably the the best one on one defender at the Brumbies. He clearly has great feet. We saw that on Saturday night. Jerome Brown has been amazing for you over the last month. Good signs from Tom Wright. Uh, the story broke last week that you've signed Nick Frost for next year, big second rower who's uh, from Sydney via the Crusaders. And I know that you lose some experienced players in the off-season. That, that happens after World Cups in particular. But you must be excited about uh, this new generation, uh, the generation next coming through. We've got some good players who've been in our system uh, for a number of years now. As you say, uh, Len, who's, who you know, came down from school uh, into our academy system, Darcy Swain, the same. Like I thought, Darcy was probably the first, uh, other than that Crusaders uh, start, he had it the first serious game time he's had, and I thought he really grew another leg. Uh, we might cut the one off and kick the ball, but I thought he was uh, <laughs> he was he was excellent on the weekend, and I, I think it's. Again, I know Dan and, and people who have worked hard on on uh, regenerating our academy system here, making sure we get good players in it, and making sure they've got super rugby quality written all over them. And, and I think uh, I think we're, we're making great progress in that area. So whether it's your Tommy Rosses, your Mac Hansons, your Noel Alessios, your Lenny Katows, your, your Darcy Swains, there's a lot of good young guys who, who, who get to be in our system for two or three years and, and hopefully a game ready by the time they get their opportunity. So, yeah, I'm excited about the future, and I'm, I'm thankful for the guys who've spent a long time here, your Carters and people like that who've been real servants for the place. Uh, but I'm also excited about the future. Laurie, we'll let you go in a moment, but the Brumbies Sunwolves Sunday afternoon, uh, another great opportunity to get a win on the board and put more pressure on the top of the Australian Conference. Um, looks like Lockie McCaffrey might be back into the uh, the picture this weekend, which will be a, a huge plus. Um, just talk the, talk to us about the Sunwolves because they've been a, a side that's almost tripped up a couple of teams and they certainly uh, had a, a famous victory over the Waratahs too up in Newcastle not long ago. Yeah, look, they've got some uh, great structure and adventure in their game and some excellent athletes. So, uh, again, it's, it's you know I don't think we want to play uh, their game against them. That we, we we need to make sure that we're we're skillful in what we do, but we need a certain directness in how we play the game and and probably earn the right to then use uh, use our skill off off the back end of that. So uh, we're sort of in the process now of having a good hard look at them, seeing what we think might work, but. But we know what our, we know what our strengths are. We know we, we do have a good, a good set piece team, and we do know that we can play off the back of that as well. So we'd like to think that we can uh, again get a, a nice flow in our game, you know, play tight when we have to play tight. Good skill, be direct, and uh, and then have the, the ability to see what that creates for us. Laurie, one last one before we let you go. Uh, David Pocock, he's been, as we understand it, a week to week proposition for the last three or four weeks, um, how close is he now and and how much of a concern is it, this ongoing uh, calf problem? Well, it, it's, it's frustrating all around, particularly for David because he's working so hard, but uh, I, I'm not absolutely certain. I, I, 
from what I hear, I'm, I'm pretty hopeful that he'll be ready to go after the bye. So I, I, I don't think he's in contention for this weekend. Then we get a, a weekend off and we're against the, the Bulls at home. So I'm, I'm certainly hopeful. I think everybody's hopeful that, he, that he'll be ready to go by that game. Laurie, you guys are so well placed as we uh, head into the, the home stretch towards the finals. You're in a good spot. Some points this weekend would be handy uh, and onwards and upwards for the Brumbies. Thanks for joining us on the Fox Rugby Podcast. Brilliant, Nick. Thank you, mate. Yeah, it'll be good to see David Pocock back. Uh, he just hasn't had much rugby. Um, still struggling with that injury that he picked up in Wallaby Camp earlier this year. Just back to what Laurie Fisher was talking about uh, and the fact that we probably... You know, don't celebrate. I, I think that we do have to, and as I said, I'll put my hand up. I, I think we got it slightly wrong on Saturday night, but I think we do have to temper the fact too that you, know, you can't a three nil win or a, or a six nil win or a one try win. If it's an ugly game, I think you have to you have to say it's an ugly game. You know, rugby viewers, rugby fans, rugby followers aren't aren't silly. No, I can you, you can't dress something up that isn't there. Um, but having said that, Laurie is spot on about Saturday night and, uh, and you know, it was a great win against a side that's beat some good teams this year and, uh, and he's right. I don't think we celebrated it to the extent that we should have. Yeah, one of the good things about rugby is that there's a variety of styles and tactics and, and you know, teams can, can win in, in different ways. And like, it's not like the Brumbies aren't trying to play good rugby. They've played plenty of good rugby this, this year. Um, obviously, Tom Banks and the like um, scoring some fantastic tries. So it, it is there. It's not always going to click. It's, it's a shame, obviously, in front of their home fans in Canberra that they, they didn't score some more exciting tries but um, yeah the, the Brumbies are just like any other I mean we saw the Hurricanes play a, an awful second half and John Plumtree their coach he was you yeah. know lauding the character of the team he, he wasn't worried about the how, how it looked to people in the stands necessarily and as Laurie said do you want to be playing Harlem Globetrotter style against the Blues no you do not it was a good point it was a very good point and it was something you even look at the Crusaders at times they go back to a a set piece style of game. They've probably got the best set piece out there. You look at their scrum and their line out, and they're phenomenal. And they do roll. Uh, they do more sides out of the game at times. But Laurie was a hundred percent right in the sense that, and maybe you touched upon it as well, Nick, that it has set the season up nicely for them because they they come up against the Sunwolves twice. Uh, in the next month or so, and, and, and they've got a couple of games against Australian teams as well. So they should be confident. And, and David Pocock, you just have to look at the bloke's Instagram to realise how great a shape he keeps himself in. Not but, sliding into any DMs there, are you, man? <laughs> Davey's DMs? <laughs> I'm, I'm not, but he, it's, it's amazing the stuff that he does um, with, his, with, his, uh, with his core work, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So. But Poey. Seriously, can you just put your shirt on? Please? <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, for the rest of us, it's just demoralising. <laughs> put next. your shirt on. It's next level silly, Pocock, isn't it? Yeah, you'd be you'd be worried about um, most players if they were having this sort of season, but you know that he's going to be doing everything in his power to be there when it matters at the World Cup. So yeah. I think I think he will be right. It's frustrating for Brumbies fans. Well, he came back from a. a Essentially a season away. Obviously, he spent time yep. in Japan, but come, comes back and wins the John Eels medal last year. So I don't think there's too many concerns. It's just whether or not he can get on the park and hopefully stay on the park. The, the Brumbies on uh, 24 points, uh, equal top of the table with uh, the Rebels at the moment. The Rebels just with the edge on points differential. But, um, yeah, so the Brumbies, they'll target the four points and I'm sure they're... Hopefully five points. I was going to say, I'm sure in the back yeah, of their minds, they, they won't state it publicly, but in the back of their minds, they want to walk away on Sunday afternoon with uh, with five points in the back pocket. Yeah, we're talking about style of play. This is going to be a great 
test of, of where they are at, I guess, because the Sunwolves, we know how they play and there's a danger of, of much like the Blues, of playing into their hands. But um, on the other hand, the, the Brumbies will probably see this. You know, they've, they've had a week back home now, um, settled at, at home, an afternoon game. They'll see this as a, a chance to show off their attacking uh, potential. So I think, uh, yeah, Kunze and, and uh, Justin will get their money's worth no doubt, on, <laughs> on, on Sunday for sure. Um, another uh, ripping game this weekend, uh, and it's on Friday night in Melbourne. Uh the Reds and the Rebels. It's the the second go around, the the second clash, and then you know all the storylines that existed when they played a few weeks back at Suncorp Stadium in Brisbane are still there. You know the the Brad Thorne and, and Quade Cooper storyline, um, the the Will Genium storyline against his old side. But what has changed is the Rebels' form, and uh, they're in a bit of a hole at the moment, having lost three in a row, and they were they were flying, they were way clear of the chasing pack in the Australian Conference, that is no longer the case. Yeah, not not, not great form line, is it? But they will take... Uh, Dave Vessel certainly is clinging on to that second half in Wellington. He feels like there's some momentum there that they can build on. They, I, I don't know what happened to them in that first half. Mm. They just were not at the races at all. 26-0 after against, 20 minutes. And, yeah, I mean, Barrett, Lamapi were, were running through almost unopposed. It looked like it was going to be seriously ugly. But they, they fought back, and so I, I think they will be too good for the Reds um, down in Melbourne this, this weekend. Uh, the Reds obviously had a, a bizarre game themselves. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm back in the Rebels to actually take care of business relatively comfortably in this one. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a lot of the storylines. The last game between the two, first of all, was was hard watching. Actually, mm. there was a lot of drop balls. So number one, I would like to see a, a better quality game, and I think the Australian selectors would like to see that too how the Rebels can kick on. But it's a great test of character to see also where the coaching, um, where Brad Thorne and Dave Vessels are at. Like here, the Reds are slightly on a little rise. They can, you know, their season's improving and they're hanging in every contest. They're, they're, they're a side that's just not going away, whereas the Rebels have been extremely hot and cold and they've got to get, as you've both pointed out, they've got to get back on the horse. So... I, th- I think an interesting one with the around the team selections will be what happens with the midfield because clearly Reese Hodge came in at twelve last week and we saw when Billy Meeks come on make it a, a pretty immediate impact. Um, albeit Hodge was was playing well in that second half too. So do they continue with with Tommy English at, at thirteen or do they make a, a slight tweak there? We'll see in the coming days. But clearly, um, both teams desperate to win this. Probably the Rebels. More so, you you would think to to halt their three loss uh, on the row. Sure. Well, it's amazing to think that yeah, the Reds they win, they're going to be top of the Australian Conference, which is remarkable. Um, no, no one saw that coming. So uh, yeah. Uh, it- you know, I think Rod Kafer, amongst others, have said it's going to be a year too early early for them. I tend to agree with them. But, I mean, the, the Reds aren't going to be thinking like that. Uh, Sami Karebi talking, he, he's aiming really, really high, as, as of course, Brad Thorne and co. will. So they're, they're demanding that these young guys don't don't just settle for mid-table. They're, they're really going to push for, for finals. Well, Sami was talking about, um, and, I, and I think it raised a few eyebrows, but he was talking in pre-season about winning the thing. Yeah. So, they, you know, they, they're not shy about where they're aiming and, you know, whether it's a, a year too early or not and, and whether they've got the, the cattle right now to do that. I'm not so, not suggesting they, they don't have the cattle, but whether some of those cattle are where they need to be in terms of experience to win the thing, I, you know, maybe that's where the question mark is. But they have they've been so good considering where they've 
come from and the age of that squad. I know they don't want to use it as an excuse, but that's a young squad. And uh, and they stood up and ground out wins. It hasn't always been pretty, but there's a lot of character there. We can pretty quickly talk about that that win over the Sunwolves. And Bryce Hegarty made mention of the fact that in years gone by that that would have been a game Correct. that they lost. So he's been a, a big driver for them this year. What a recruit he's been to pick up um, from the Waratahs. We didn't really get to see the best of him with Israel Folau at 15 and Bernard at, at 10 over the last couple of years at the Tars. But... I'm fascinated. I don't, I don't think Bryce Haggerty's in the discussion at all for for the Wallabies frame, and, and I don't think he necessarily will in the weeks to come. But if you look at Form 10s or who's the Form 10 at the moment in the country, you wouldn't actually have an idea, I don't think. I don't think it's Bernard Foley. I don't think it's Quaid. Christian put a couple of big hits on, but his form's been hot and cold, and Bryce is actually doing a half-decent job. So it's quite an interesting... Only half-decent. He'll be pleased to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, he, he certainly is um, he's kicking game and he's backing up, scoring a try on the weekend. He's doing a lot of things very well. I just don't think that this this late in the picture that he's going to come into the Wallabies front. I just love the fact that, I mean, he's been at the Rebels, uh, spent time at the Waratahs. He's finally uh, got the gig where he's the guy and, you know, we're now seeing what he's capable of. It makes you wonder how many other players sort of, you know, flow through the system over a career, never quite, you know, they can go to a club and they can be second or third in the pecking order and we never actually quite get to see the best of them. I'm actually really pleased for Bryce now that he's that he's in a situation where, you know, he's getting to play uh, his game and, and, and deliver what he can deliver on the field. It's it's terrific to see. Yeah, he's got a very good kicking game. He's, he's got a knack of actually finding space, balls bouncing um, rather than going straight to hand. I think that's a weakness of the Australian game. Um, obviously, Bernard Foley and Quaid, they don't have a particularly long boot. Um, Bryce, when he's getting it right, um, can, can really rake them. So, yeah, he's, uh, I mean, he'd probably take an injury or, or two to get into the wild frame I don't think he's been involved in any of these camps but um, yeah people that play with him at the Waratahs they speak really really highly um, about his talk of him being an intelligent uh, about his football it. IQ yeah, yeah. And, and popping up in the right places so yeah but, look uh, uh, he, he you know uh, as we've talked about on this podcast week after week the, the new selection panel I mean Michael O'Connor might be a massive fan he, he might mm. get a look in so we just don't know and and football brains right now not a bad thing to have right <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and as you were actually saying, talking about Bryce um, in terms of finally getting a, an opportunity to, to play in a, a position that he's feeling comfortable with, it's kind of ironic that, you know, Reese Hodge can just, we made mention of him earlier, but he's just rotating between positions on a weekly basis. So you get the feeling that at some stage Reese will probably get fed up with being shuffled about because it doesn't necessarily help his calls to start for the Wallabies. He's the Mr. Fix-It, um, but... You know, where, where where do you play him? Mm, mm. The other game that uh, has some Australian flavour to it is the Waratahs uh, in Johannesburg to take on the Lions. And uh, we know that the Waratahs got pushed around at Loftus uh, last Saturday night. And uh, do you expect that similar is going to happen against a, a Lions pack? And it's the, the third South African opposition in three weeks for the Waratahs. That's certainly uh, clearly the the area that they'll target them in. Um, uh, it was a shame with the Waratahs because they played some they sublime did. football, um, particularly in that first half. Um, they they clearly said, okay, it's a nice sunny day here at Loftus. Um, uh, our packs under man, we, we're going to throw it around, we're going to offload, and, and their offloading skills were absolutely brilliant. That that try to Nick Phipps was 
definitely one of the tries of the, the season. And I think they would have won that game if they had a bit more cattle up front, if they had Dempsey, if they had Holloway. I think they would have found a way to, to win that game. So it's unfortunate and, it, it, yeah, it does raise the stakes very, very high um, for, for this Lions clash. And, and, of course, it's a rematch of, of last year's semi-final, which, um, which they went down in. So they'll be highly motivated. Um, Lions deserved favourites, but I, I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't write off the, the Tarzers' chances either. No, but they'll have to fix up their scrum because I think Daryl Gibson touched upon it in his post-match press conference that so that was the, the key point of difference. and it's oh, a, it's, Absolutely. It certainly was. They were, they were smashed. Good to see Tom Robinson come back, though, and, and I thought he actually, when they came on, probably shored up that side of the scrum. Um, so that was that was, that was was pleasing to see because he's seen, been out for a, a long, long while. But, yeah, hard to see the Waratahs managing to come away from the Republic with the, with the victory, and that really leaves their season uh, on a knife edge. On a knife edge, yeah. They've got a couple of tough games coming home. There's no buy for them now. They're going to have to get straight into it and they finish up against the Highlanders, uh, I think, over in Dunedin as well. So they've got a seriously tough next, what, five, six weeks. Yeah, they've got uh, well the Lions this week and then I think they return and, and take on the Reds in that traditional derby the week after. So next couple of weeks, uh, huge for the Waratahs. Now, we touched on it at the top, but um, encouraging signs, and it's a, a good news story, and we need good news stories in Australian rugby, as we've, uh, as we've discussed, and that is the success of the, uh, of the under-20s against uh, the Baby All Blacks, the, the Junior Wallabies against the Junior All Blacks and the Oceania titles on the Gold Coast. Let's have a chat. Um, we spoke earlier with Jason Gilmore, uh, their coach, and uh, when we come back, we'll just uh, chew over what it really means for Australian rugby. Here's Jason Gilmore. Listening to the Fox Rugby Podcast. Jason Gilmore, welcome to the Fox Rugby Podcast, and a huge congratulations on behalf of everyone here at Fox on what you and your young men have been able to achieve over the last week or so. Well done. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. It's been uh, it's been a good week. So, give us uh, a rundown of um, of how important you think this is for for that group. How momentous, I guess, you think it, it is for uh, for your group of I was going to say boys, but they are young men. Yeah, it was um, it was definitely we set ourselves three goals way back in January at our first camp. We wanted the group to achieve, and winning Oceania was the first of those. And, and it's really important for the group. It's the first time that they've won the tournament. Um, you know, you firmly believe that winning's a habit, so it's really important that the boys um, have got confidence in what we're doing before we head away to the World Cup, so it's a good stepping stone for us. But before we talk about the game specifically and yeah, looking forward to the World Cup, I was interested there, you said that the, the camp back in January, and I'm kind of interested in that because... It, for some time, the Australian, the Junior Wallabies and previously called the under-20s uh, Australian side, didn't necessarily, they kind of came together at the last moment. So the idea of having training camps, how important has that been? Uh, yeah, they're crucial just with your preparation and, and it's obviously uh, can be a little bit fiddly just with getting access for Super Rugby at different times and that type of thing, but... Um, we've got really good relationships with the clubs at the moment and processes in place for player releases. So this year's probably been the smoothest year of actually um, being able to access the boys and, and get good rhythm and build combination with them. You just mentioned that winning is a habit and we know that um, and it's always good to create that habit against a, a Kiwi side in particular. But um, George Gregan said something interesting uh, 
when we were talking about it on Saturday night on, on Super Saturday on Fox Sports, and he, he said that, you know, a lot of these lads are going to go on and, and potentially represent the Wallabies at, at senior level and they'll be lining up against the All Blacks and being able to look across and it might be during the Harker or it might be during a game and, and they'll look at each other in the eye and the Aussie kid is going to know that when he was playing under 20s, he, he beat his opposite number and, uh, and George was basically saying you, you can't put value on that, it, it's priceless. No, I'd completely agree with George there and I've heard him previously state the importance that being able to beat Kiwi teams at junior levels and, and I completely agree with him and he was speaking with our boys after the game, you know, a number of them have played Kiwi teams in Super Rugby and, and school boys in 20s last year and it's the first time they've actually beaten a New Zealand side so the, the confidence that they get out of that and the pride that they get out of that is, is uh, really good. Certainly, yeah. So, so the game itself, uh, a nap, it's a shutout. Uh, is that the most pleasing element of the fact that you kept them to zero with 10 minutes to go, you were defending your line still and, and you wouldn't let New Zealand through? Yeah, I think it's both ways. I think when you look at a zero scoreline, obviously a lot of effort goes into it. Um, we're down to 10, uh, sorry, we're down to 14 men in that first half as well and had a really key scrum on our line, which we got a tight head on and, and went the other end. So the boys dug in, so I think the zero is good. But um, on the other side as well, I thought uh, we built really good scoreboard pressure and put 24 points on a Kiwi team at the other side of it. Um, is a good reflection of how the boys attacked as well. The importance of uh, having some players in that squad who'd had a taste of Super Rugby, Isaac Lucas, Essie Hungana um, down from uh, from Melbourne with the Rebels, Samisi Tupo was in there. As well, uh, I'm looking through, through the list. Uh, Fraser McWright, uh, Trevor Jose. So you had a number of players um, who've, uh, who've had that taste of, you know, senior football. Uh, did that play a part in, in the campaign? Yeah, all of those guys that you mentioned are in our leadership group and, and the boys have done a really good job with that. So the experiences that they bring back from Super Rugby has really benefited um, our boys. Uh, and I think on the flip side as well, it's great that they're playing Super Rugby, but a lot of those lads actually haven't played a lot of minutes um, as well. So they're, they're really keen to, to play big game time, which they managed to get through Oceana, which was good for them. Yeah, a couple of other players there with exciting prospects. Will Harris, Will, Will Harrison, the, the fly half too. So lots to look forward to. Um, next up, well, I suppose it's it's now the big one. It's the World Championships and, and Australia hasn't, the Wallabies, Junior Wallabies haven't necessarily reached the heights that they would have in the past. So what do you need to do now over the, over the next month or so to get them ready for that? Uh, we'll obviously get over Oceana quickly. Like it's, it's great that we've won it, but... Um, it's, it's only a tournament before the World Cup, so we've just got to make sure that we have a really good training camp coming up in Sydney on the 18th. Um, we've got a couple of hit-outs there just to make sure that our game plan's ready to go. Um, and, and you can't get too far ahead of yourselves with World Cup footy. Italy will be tough with our first game, and we've got Ireland in our second game, and they've just won the Six Nations at the under-20 level. So you know, it'll be a tough pull that we've just got to make sure that we prepare well for. Yeah, and does it make it easier for you because this is the, the, the second year now that you've been with the group, so you know what to, what to expect as well? Yeah, definitely. And, and I think the relationships, we've got the majority of staff back from last year as well. And when you've got 11 or 12 blokes back from the World Cup last year, um, it, it certainly makes it a lot easier with your momentum um, into this season. Uh, and there's certainly a good feel amongst the group at the moment. And Jason, how does uh, tournament football, how does that um, change the dynamic of, of what you need to do and, and how you might do things 
in Argentina. You know that uh, apart from that, having a, the occasional red wine in between and, and so and, and lots of, and lots of red meat. Um, yeah. But but the way you go about things, do you have to tweak things a little bit? And and how you uh, how you keep the guys up or give them rest or you know do things change for you now? Yeah, I think the two big ones is you've got to make sure that you've got a foundation of a game plan because they're only four-day turnarounds. In the first three games, whilst your opposition may change slightly, I think you can get caught up in trying to change tactics too much, whereas I think if you've got that nucleus of how you want to play and, and then you just tinker with a little bit of variation is really important, but you want the boys to have confidence in what you do. Um, and then the second one is because they are four-day turnarounds, is just resting their bodies and, and resting their minds as much as you can so they're as fresh as they can be for game day. Mm. Well, we're, we're all eagerly anticipating and hoping uh, for the best for the, the tournament because, Jason, you know, I, I suppose you have a big role to play in fostering this next generation, don't you, going forward? We're all desperately crying out for a successful Wallaby side and, and of course, Super Rugby teams too. Yeah, definitely, and uh, I think I made that comment the other day in the media. There's there's a lot of good things happening at the moment within the pathway and the structure of it, and I think we're just starting to see the work that everyone's doing across the country at the moment, um, be in academy space or, or club level or NRC, and um, I think as long as we believe in what we're doing, um, you know, the next three, four, four years should see some really pleasing results. Yeah, and, and I think the last time that I spoke to you as well um, would have been about... Oh, eight, nine months ago, and you were scouring the, the east coast of Australia, driving down from you know, almost Townsville, I think it was, um, south down to Brisbane. So how, how, how do you actually go about discovering a lot of these players? Because one of the great um, concerns and issues I think that Australian rugby has had for some time is just having players go to, go to, to private schools and, and, and trying to find talent elsewhere. Yeah, and no, I think that's a really big one. It's people think of the pathway. Um, I think generally, like it's the kid that comes in at fifteen and, and travels all the way through the pathway through to you know, through to the Wallabies. And I probably disagree with that a little bit. I think the pathway is about creating environments that any player of any age can get identified across the country and can get picked up into the pathway and develop. So whether it's a you know fifteen year old Sydney or Brisbane or a 17-year-old playing bush footy, as long as we've got those avenues to, to identify them and then to be able to recruit them um, is really important for us. And a, a slight, I guess, variation on that, that thinking, um, and this is something that Stephen Hoyles bangs on about a lot, and that is uh, giving players an opportunity to get some miles on the clock in, in club footy and, and really harden themselves against men before they're thrust, thrust rather into the... Uh, super rugby environment. Do you subscribe to that? Is there a danger in, you know, we're going to get very excited about some of these guys coming through off the back of this success and potentially at the World Cup. Um, is there a danger, though, in, in rushing them into top flight rugby? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's two things. I think with the younger guys coming through, they have to play football. Um, you know, there's no way of, of getting around play development where they're just running around markers and that's it, but it's really crucial that... You know, each week they're playing 80 minutes and, and experiencing, you know, whether it's being a 5-8 leading a team around the park or a hooker at set-piece time. Um, you know, that's, that's crucial for their development um, with what they're doing. 
Good stuff. Jason, we were uh, thrilled uh, when the news came through on Saturday. So excited for uh, for the next generation and you so much a, a part of that. So congratulations once again on that and, and go well at the World Cup. No, I appreciate it. Thanks. Well, I think we need to acknowledge that one swallow does not make a summer, but... Uh, it is a really good thing that uh, the, the junior Wallabies have, have beaten the baby All Blacks and uh, I love that, that view from George Gregan saying, you know, when you, look, when you look across the Harker in a few years' time, just remember me, mate, because we've beaten you already. We know, we know how to win. You, you look at international rugby, the landscape, uh, you know, dominant test teams, you look at them, they often were built around cores of players that won um, at under-20 level and, and continued that through. It really is a massive thing and I think Australia seems to have put a bit more emphasis on that now and just for too long they've been finishing fifth, sixth, fourth at the, the World Championships and it just, I guess, sets the tone, doesn't it, for the professional career that a, a bit of mediocrity can, can seep in. So, yeah, clearly it's, it's only a, a warm, well, not a warm-up tournament, but it's not the, the main prize um, but I think the manner of it the fact that they kept them scoreless you know a very potent traditionally team uh, scoreless that's pretty massive and that, that will do wonders for their confidence in Argentina and to back it up to back it up in Argentina would be amazing oh absolutely and yeah touching on what Sam said look you look at the players that have come through there over the last few years through the 20 system you look at Mario Toja from England and I think they won it under him and what a player he is and you look at the likes of, of Geordie Barrett and um, all the New Zealanders that just continue to come through the factory so yeah absolutely it's a it's a it's a great result but uh clearly the only the entree speaking of new zealanders and all blacks stars um ben smith some news on his injury not great but on the flip side probably better than some had feared yeah, it was a weird one because we were watching it. The first, the concern was over his head. He had a, a bit of claret coming out of his out of his melon. Um, but then it, it looked like he'd done a, a serious knee injury and it actually turned out to be a, a high hamstring, was it? Mm. Um, so yeah, it was a lot of confusion about what he'd, what he'd done, but he looked pretty dejected. So initially there was yeah a bit, a bit of panic uh, across the ditch that he might be out for the World Cup. Steve Hansen um, appeared out of nowhere. Suddenly he was on the on the sideline checking in on him. So uh, the, yeah, the latest six to eight weeks, um, um, thankfully for his sake, he, he should be fine for the... The, the World Cup, but yeah, certainly plenty of hearts and, uh, and mouths, and, and it's a big hit to the Highlanders, uh, of course, in a, in a more um, short-term basis because they were just starting to come into some some good form. But he's he's so crucial for them. I think their, their finals uh, hopes take a big hit now. Yeah, what a game that was! The Chiefs and the, and the Highlanders, 31 all. all. So lots to look forward to again this weekend. And uh, what's your what's your game of the round? Game of the round. I'm going to head to Melbourne for uh, the Rebels. And the Reds, and um, without, you know, talking about Dow rugby and all of that, I just hope it, it lives up to uh, to expectations, and uh, and we see maybe the Rebels back to their best, and and some good signs from the Reds as well. Yeah, that's the uh, the obvious game of the round, isn't it, for Aussie fans? But yeah, the Tars Lions, as we touched upon before, that I'm really intrigued to see how that one goes. I'm, I'm loving this uh, daytime rugby. They've brought the games in South Africa forward, haven't they? We're used to be getting these games at one or two a.m. Um, and it's obviously an earlier kickoff, which is great for for fans. And I think that's going to be another open encounter. And uh, yeah, look, if the Tars can can get the job done, then there's going to be a real four horse race to the the finish line in the Australian Conference. Well, I can't wait to cover that one at eleven o'clock. So it's going to be another late finish. But um, have I given you the short? Again. I, I think so. I think so. But look, uh, lots of games. No, look, lots. You of... could be digging ditches. Don't complain. No, no, You're no, not no. The best no, job no. in the world. Oh, he's got I, a he's got a science degree though, so his family's <laughs> a bit disappointed that he's uh, covering rugby.
Well, you that, can dissect the game. Absolutely. That to look forward to. I reckon the uh, the Highlanders and the Haguaras will be an intriguing open prospect. I'm liking the look of Josh Uani. Good, good young 10 from New Zealand. Terrific. So there is a lot to look forward to. Um, so it's just left for me to say thanks for your company on the Fox Rugby Podcast. <laughs>